Okay, so uh, over the last, what is it, 14, 15 weeks, we went through from waking up and the brachos, the washing hands and all that. We've finished basically Berchos HaShachar. So the question is, what comes after Berchos HaShachar in the Siddur? What's next? Depends what Siddur you're talking about, seriously. For sure depends what Siddur, right? You, yeah. This is America. See, this is an American one. The ones from Israel, it's... Uh, yeah. Every Siddur is a little bit different. They let the, but the um, I think in a lot of people's minds, um, like the next thing is Baruch Shamar or Psuke de Zimra, but of course there are so many pages in between uh, the end of Berchus HaShachar, those are the pages that we just like, yeah, especially if you're down in Boston, because in Boston they print a lot of things just so you can skip them, right? It's like part of the, one of the, one of the joys, I call it a joy, but it's a funny thing of davening in Boston is that they skip everything, but I shouldn't say everything, skip a lot of things. Okay, but there's actually quite a bit here, and actually, like you said, it depends which sitter you have. And I don't think we should spend time in every single one of them. There's some that I think most people have never even heard of. Um, you know, most people know there's some murmurings and then Rabbi Shmuel and then this Kaddish. But, uh, for example, in the Sephardic Sedurim, there's a whole mystical passage called Pasach Eliyahu, Patach Eliyahu, actually. What? Yeah, it's, it's, way, it's over my head. I don't even want to try to go into it. Um, I thought maybe what we should do is the next couple of parts, almost universally, most of them have here the Parsha of the Akedah, of the, the binding of Yitzchak. And then after that, the passage that starts, Adam etc. So let's just go into, we'll, we'll do them one by one, maybe one now, one next week. But um, these. Is that, is that, I'm sorry, is that and that Shema part of the Akedah? No. But if you go back one page, if you have an art scroll sitter, probably the page before that you have the Akedah. Um, so what you have is like this. You have a preface. Starts al kinu v'kayvisenu zachreinu v'zikaron tov v'fanecha v'fakdeinu b'kudas yeshuv v'rachamim v'shmeish mekedem v'zichar lanu Hashem al kinu havasakadmonim. So brisa sachesed. So it's like a preamble. You say that uh, remember the relationship you had with our forefathers and specifically what happened with Avram Avinu and Har Maria with Yitzchak then it prints here the whole passage from the end of Parshas Vayera and then at the end there's Yehi Ratzon Yibani Shalom Yehi Ratzon Alfanecha Shetizka Lanabris Avaseinu and this in different Sidurim they have different numbers of, uh, of Sukkim here but um, if you look at it later, you see it may look faintly familiar because of the fact that it's really taken from what we say in Yom Naran. Um, this is not in the Rambam Siddur. The Rambam has a Siddur, which he actually writes into his um, into the Sefer that he wrote. The Rambam, Yana Chazaka, he wrote out a Siddur, which is the Sephardic tradition. Where's your family from originally? Uh, Polish. Polish. Yes. Right, so we don't have Sephardi. The opinion's not here. My, my wife is a mix Ashkenazi and Sephardi. Uh -huh. Myself is all Polish and some Russian, I think. Right. right. Pretty much Polish. Anybody wants. I, I got I to talk, but everyone else can enjoy themselves. Um, Polish is, I mean, most of Poland, what what was? Was uh, Ashkenazi and Sephardi. Ashkenazi, yeah. Yeah. So the Rambam doesn't have it, and in fact, the Yemenite Sidurim, this is the only Sidur I noticed of the common Sidurim, 
that they don't have the, they don't mention the Akedah. So there's no mention in the Gemara about it. Like, where does it come from, the idea of, mention, of, of talking about the Akedah every day? So it's not a Gemara as far as I know. The Torah brings it. The Torah says, it's good to say the parsha of the Akedah. I'm curious if the Apsidurim, they have it or not. Yeah. Uh, they do? They have it? Ah, there it is. Oh, this, this looks this nice. Which yeah. one is this? Oh, this is an art scroll. Very oh, cool. Yeah, so they have the sitter. It looks like art scroll. It looks like that font. Yeah, very cool. Nice. Arvduvid. Yeah. So the Torah says that it's good. It's good to say the Parsha Akeda every morning. And there, the Beis Yosef in his commentary on the Torah, he says there's two purposes to saying Akeda. Number one, Lizkar's Chus Avos. One is to mention and bring up the merit of the Avos, of our forefathers. And the second thing is also, Lehachnia Yitzro Lahashem Yisbarach Kamesha Maser Yitzchak Nafshay. To basically, he's saying, to put yourself in the right frame of mind to, to be dedicated to Hashem the same way the Avis were dedicated to Hashem. The Vilna Gain, in his commentary in the Shulchan Aruch, he brings sources for this, this idea that we try always to invoke the schus of the Avis. He gives a couple of interesting examples. He says the Gemara in, in, uh, in Yumadav Chav Ches says that in the Beis HaMikdash, they didn't have clocks. So how did they know when to open? They had a watcher, right? Okay. You remember the, they would have a watcher to see when, when the sun's coming up. So he would call out, okay, I see it. Sun's up. And it says they would specifically give a mention whether the sunlight has reached Hebron or not. So he says, why Hebron? Why Dafka Hebron? Because the answer is, Hebron is where the Avis are buried. Uh, so already we're trying, even in such an oblique way, just to talk about Hebron. Yeah, that's what Rashi says. Rashi says it based on Yerushalmi. He also brings the Medrash Rab. The Medrash says that um, you know, the Pasuk, there's a Pasuk that has more than one shot there. The Pasuk at the end of, right after the Akedah, it says, Vayikra Avram Shem HaMakamahu Hashem Yireh. He called the name of the place Hashem shall see. What does that mean, right? So the Medrash Rabbah says, in the name of Rabbi Yechani, he says like this, At the time that you told me, When you told me, take your son, I really, there, there was something I could have, should have perhaps, is I could have, answered, I could have responded, Yesterday you told me, it doesn't mean literally yes, it means first you tell me that your, fam, your family line will continue with Yitzchak. And now you tell me to slaughter, to offer him as a carbon. I did not, I didn't argue with you. I knew what you wanted me to do, I did what you told me to do. In that merit, at a time in the future, any time in the future, when the descendants of Yitzchak will do Averis, do bad things, or they will lose their own merit, this that I did should, yeah, that's chus, you should remember that's chus, and become filled with this is all legal, figurative, of course, filled with compassion. So the, 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 that's what it means, Hashem Yireh. What is, how does that explain the words Hashem Yireh? So it means Hashem should see the Akedah. 
but we'll, we'll maybe we'll try to get a better understanding of what that means soon. Um, the Mishnah Brewer, by the way, adds, he says that this idea that there's, they should save Akeda, he brings this idea, I think, started in Rabbeinu B'chai in his parish on Chumash. He says, it, it doesn't mean that reciting the words. It means reciting the words and thinking about them. He says it about other things also. Um, there's a Gemara that says that anyone who says Ashrei three times a day is like guaranteed to go to Mabas. He says also it doesn't mean to, to mumble the words, it means to concentrate on them. It makes it a little, yeah. makes it a little harder. Well, the the Pashib shot as you say it, I have to point out, it's very important. The Pashib shot is if you just say it. The words of Tanakh have a tremendous value. I, my father says that um, if you read Chumash and you, and, you, and you have to sleep, so it's still in the midst of Tamatera. If you, if you read, he said, if you read Tarsh Pen and you're falling asleep, it's not, because there it's the ideas behind it, it's understanding. So, but certainly, there's no question, it's definitely better than watching Netflix. I'm just saying that. Uh, it's better than what I wake for. Well, it depends so. what you're watching. Yeah, sure. okay. You fall asleep. Right? Yeah. There's no question the words have some value. Okay. Um, we started, I think the first year we talked about Moda'ani, which doesn't have a source in Shas. In the subsequent years, we explained where it came from. But um, that was when we got to know the Sefer called, um, the Sefer that Moshe ben Machir wrote, a semi-mystical Sefer called Seder Hayyim, where he's the first source of Maida'ani. So here, there he also writes a lot about the Akedah, and he brings Kabbalistic sources. So I just want to read to you what he says. He says, the Yaskal Baparsha Sakeda should start off by saying that The only thing we have to rely on is the Schus of our forefathers. This is what sustains us through the Gallus. It's fascinating that the Schus of the Avis it comes up constantly. You know, so it was so so long ago. Necessarily, it's I mean, it sounds, it sounds it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little depressing. He says yeah. you don't have any schus except them. I don't know. It can't be that it's not like to that. Trying do the right thing. Uh, but but listen to what he says. He says. Um, he says even blowing a shofar, blowing a shofar. You're not even talking about that. Kingdom. Blowing the shofar is reminiscent of the ram that was burned in the place of the. Okay, right? He brings. Um, he brings a zayhar. Zayar says, it's Aramaic, it's difficult Aramaic, but he says, I'll just paraphrase, there's nothing that is as powerful to eliminate death from people, Mosana, like the Akedah. Hmm. It says, And then he goes into, of course, um, Kabbalah, The Midas Adin Yitzchak, Represents din in, in whatever this means in general, but there's this idea that they're different people from the from the Shpizin and from the uh, from the biblical figures that correspond to the spheres to the midas whatever it means. Avram is connected Yitzchak, connected uh, Chesed, and Yitzchak is connected din. So he says somehow this is again this Kabbalah over my head. I'm just reading the words that um, the tying up of Yitzchak somehow tied up the midas had din. No idea. What that mean? I'm just reading the words. Even though it's already right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, "Oitam pashup shat to say it every day." They should be schus ha'akeda nishvayis barach hashkadosh baruch who swore to Avram. He said, "Binishbati no mashem v'yirach zarech hashar ayavav." 
But a mevakshim meisak hakadosh baruch hu, she kavitz nefusaseinu miarba kamsaritz. He swore that hakadosh baruch that the, the Jewish people would eventually. He he understands it specifically to mean Eretz Yisrael, that hakadosh baruch hu should take us back to Eretz Yisrael and um, take 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 us out of the Gullus. So that's already an early source. I think there are other sources in the Zara. The the safe the Siddur Eitzratfilis brings a bunch of Kabbalistic sources for this. That basically the Arizal and the Zayar said that it's very important to, to recite the the Akeda. He says in fact the Seder Young says you should never ever skip it huh. under any circumstances. Well he says a Balnefish shouldn't skip it. I don't know who that is. Okay, it's a, uh, is an interesting phrase. Balnefesh is a very hard word to translate, very hard phrase to translate. Balnefesh means, Balnefesh means a soul, so right. a soul person. Soul what that person. means, you find a lot of times actually in Halacha Swarm, the, the Mishnah Bru uses this term frequently. It has a source in Gemara. He says sometimes a Balnefesh should be machmir on a certain thing, even when there's room to be lenient. So it means somebody who strives for. Well, what do they say so, sometimes? The word they use to, when you have an alacha, yeah. they say by alacha you can do it, but yeah. for those who. Sometimes uh, it says, Amachmir Tabal Abracha. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, Nefshi Achmir is a very common phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, Shulch, in, in, in the Farshim of the Shulchan Arach. I was once at a shear from Rav Faival Kohn. Yeah. And he read, uh, he was reading a halacha where the Mishnah said, Val Nefesh should be Machmir. So one of the people said, okay, Rabbi, tell me, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be machmer or not? Am I mechoyev to do this? So I think he meant it somewhat as a joke. He said, a nefesh has to be machmer. But you're not mechoyev to be a nefesh. That's what he said. Like to, it means somebody is on a higher level. Okay, I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah. My father said that he also has this, that he tells someone, nefesh should be machmer. And sometimes the person who calls, like, I have a kugel. I, whatever, it, whatever happened, you know, I used the, the milchig grater. But he says, Valnefesh should be machmir. Don't use that example for psak. I'm just pulling something out. Right. right. So he says, fine, but what am I supposed to do? Right? What, you know? So he had this, he, he jokes that when the membership form, when you fill out membership for the shul, so you put in, you know, the name, the children, address, phone number, so he, email. So he wants to put in like a checkbox. Yes, Balnefesh, no Balnefesh. <laughs> when you call me the Shaila, I'll check where you are in the file. And I'll tell you, it definitely is true that when somebody calls a Rav, the Rav's sack will depend you right. know, on them. That's a little off topic. Lamaisa, what? Should I, I guess this is practical to me personally, but like if I'm not a Balnefesh, but I want <laughs> to be, just taking on Humras in that way make me a Balnefesh? There are, there, there are certain times, right? there's certain There's certain things that it's... One direction. Uh, no, I think, I think it's certainly appropriate to aspire to that. I would say the following. I have mixed feelings talking about all this. Like the next week and maybe two or three weeks, we're going to talk about things that I think a lot of, for the vast majority of people, it's just you just turn the pages and go, far, and go further. You know, especially at the pace that the Minyanim are run here. Um, it's actually compared to other places, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you don't have time for everything unless you come early, which is not a bad idea. But in any case, you know, what part of the davening is the most important, right? So the truth is, like, every part we're going to say is the most important, whatever we're talking about today, right? This time we're saying that Kedah is the most important. But it brings up mixed feelings because people aren't going to, I'm not going to myself, right. recite all these pages every day. Um, but I think it's a good idea to appreciate what they are. I have this idea for a project that every once in a while, 
somebody wakes up early enough or has enough time that they get to shul 10 minutes early. So it's not a bad idea to familiarize yourself with maybe this part and maybe a different, a different week or a different day, the carbonus or a different whatever it is. You know, so at least you know what it is. You're skipping all the other days. <laughs> um, this idea of the schus that we get from the, from the Avis seems to be extremely powerful. I noticed that even in Pshat, um, Rashi comments, it says that um, Avram took the Ma'acheles to Shecht Yitzchak. What is the word Ma'acheles? What is a Ma'acheles? So it means the knife. It means the knife. But it's an unusual term. Where do we find, the, where else in Tanakh do we find a knife being called a Ma'acheles? So Rashi says, it's calling it Ma'acheles here. Ma'acheles literally means that which feeds. Ochel means to, to eat. So he says, Al-Shem she matan Because the Jewish people still today eat, consume, so to speak, benefit from the... Rashi, it's Rashi and Chumash. Yeah, it's feeding us, so to speak. It's sustaining us. There's, there's an even more interesting concept, which I really wanted to research in depth. Unfortunately, um, the committee decided we have to have this year every week instead of every other week, so there's a limit to what we can do. Um, but anyway, there's a concept that we find in a few places, and it's a little mysterious, of Afrei Shal Yitzchak, the ashes of Yitzchak. We find it in the Gemara. For example, the Gemara in Tainis, Daf Tezayin says yes, never that. Before, like. Okay. Well, anyone who learned <laughs> Daf, anyone who learned Daf Yomi should remember it because yeah. it was only a few months ago. Uh, how Where is that? Tainis. Tainis was. Tainis was a couple of months, right? So it's, it's a few places in Shas. It says like this. It says that when they made a public fast for certain things, they they had certain procedures that we do not practice today. But it says that they would. They would daven out in this public square, and they would bring out the, the teva, which is like the amud or the bima, and it says they would put ash there. So the Gemara asks, what was the purpose of putting the ash? So it gives different explanations, an expression of mourning. One of the explanations it says is, So as to bring up a memory, meaning to Hashem, in our merit of the ash of Yitzchak. Right? So what's the obvious question on this? But he, he wasn't burned. He wasn't burned. There's no ash of Yitzchak. What, what ash are we talking about? Right. So this is a very deep concept, which I still think there's a lot to see on it. Um, it seems those who follow sort of the, I would call it maybe the rational Bali Machshava type, Rav, Rav Dessler and his Talmud, Rav Friedlander. So they say that, I think the Briskers have such a thing also, it says in Midrashim, I forgot, maybe Rashi even brings it, that Hashem said, okay, don't, don't slaughter Yitzchak. And then he caused a ram to come, and that ram is still reminiscent when we blow the shaykh and all that. So it says that he offered up this ram as a carbon, Tachas Yitzchak. So uh, I think maybe Rashi says it on Tachas Yitzchak, I don't remember. He says that as Avram did it, he said, when I do the the offering of this ram it sh- everything should be as if I'm doing this to Yitzchak as if I'm sprinkling the bro- blood of Yitzchak as if I'm burning the so the question is th- this as if ki'ilu so how far does this go exactly so I think, I think it's a, kind of something Rodesler says where Avram Avinu was ready to do it he was prevented from doing it because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that's not what I want you to do right now right? so he says in a certain world in a certain dimension it's as if he did it 
right? Think about it. If you want to do a mitzvah, it says, Gemara says, if you wanted to do a mitzvah, you really were going to do it, but you were prevented from doing it by circumstances beyond your control. So you get, it's considered as if you did it, right? So what does it mean it's as if you did it? So you could say, it just means that, you know, your, your, uh, your credit in the upstairs bank account goes up by a certain amount. But, um, but they write that, and part of it, like the Chavis Havavis has this idea, he says, like, we can't control what happens. We can only control our decisions. So the reward or, or the, the, the idea that we do good deeds is really not that we do the good deeds. It's that we decide to do them. It's that we're committed to doing them. And, and then it's like we did them. So, so he underst- they understand that the concept of the ash of Yitzchak is as if. As if there was ash of Yitzchak because he was ready to do it. Um, there is a mysterious Shibali HaLeket. Shibali HaLeket is one of the early early Shonim that brings okay. this concept. Yeah, I forgot exactly how old the Shibali HaLeket is, but he's brought by the very early Paiskin. I think there are other sources for this, but I, I didn't have a chance to find them all. That there is, there, there are those who seem to represent that Yitzchak Avinu was actually killed on the Mizbeach and experienced some sort of Tchiyas HaMesim. Shavali HaLeket, the simple words say that he was burned to ash. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought him back. Now, I'm, I'm not sure how to look at that. In other words, right. it could be that he and Rav Dessler are describing the same thing. The question is just, it's a question of what the definition of is is. Sort of like, you know, how, how, far? how real, what do we look at it? You know, the, you could look at it that the, the, the theoretical world is more real than the world we, we, we see. That's a little bit of a hard concept, but this is a little you know, over my head. But... Um, but he does say that, and I saw that, I noticed that there was a, in, in, one of the, in one of the Torah journals, there was a whole back and forth about how literally to understand this idea. You know, there's some Midrashan that it's kind of hard to know how to take literally. It's the question is how, to, how, to, how literally to take this. But it definitely seems that way. Just the fact that the Svarim keep using this term, the ashes of Yitzchak, is like the biggest kasha there. There's there no ashes. Okay, it's like an interesting question. Um, in general, on the concept of the Akedah, there's a, there's a big question that people ask, which is that um, throughout the generations, we find a lot of heroism among the Jewish people. My grandfather went through the, the Holocaust. He said that you couldn't predict from knowing people before the war how they would react when, mm. when things got really hard. There's a lot of people who seem like really, really simple people and they ended up being the strongest in their faith and their conduct but there are a lot of people simple people not uh, not the obvious who were did uh, things similar to this they gave they were willing to give up their lives for Kaddish Baruch Hu. so like what is it that's so special about that Kedah yeah so that there's a lot in them Farshan some understand that we got that power from Avram Avinu Right, the same way, you know. There was I forgot who it was. I'm sorry. I went to. A, it was uh, more impressive for him. He started it. You know, this right. idea of sort of uh, spiritual DNA, we'll call it. In other words, that we inherit spiritual, spiritual um, genes from what our forefathers did. So, because Avram Avinu established the idea that when you know what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants, we're willing to give up our lives from it. I actually think that his. Our cousins, his other descendants, you know, they, the, the, they also got it to some extent. They're, they're pretty, 
Yeah, pretty quick to be missing nefesh. But there's an understanding that started with him. There are those who understand that the reason is it was especially hard for Avram Avinu because chesed, kindness, was Avram Avinu's trait. So, so it's going against that was it. harder. Um, Rabbi Chanan Wasserman said something fascinating. He said, in a way, the Akedah was harder for Avram Avinu than it would have been for us. Listen to this. He says, let's say one of us, I hope we never end up in that situation where we have to make a choice between, between, uh, between our lives and our faith. So we understand that this world is just a kind of thin layer uh, just a stopping point on the way to the, the real, more real world upstairs. And Adarabha, you know, to give, giving up a person's life, Akidash Hashem, is a tremendous chus. Right? We spoke about in the past about the, the um, Avram ben Avram, the Gerd Sedek Patoski, that he was killed by the, Pol- by the Polish um, for not renouncing his faith after he converted. And the Vilna Gon said, I can get you out of here. And he said, why, why would I give this up? This is, this is a big schus. So in a way, he said, Rabbi Khan said, but that's a little bit selfish almost. We're thinking about the great reward we have upstairs. He <clears throat> says, Avram Avinu wasn't thinking about reward. He wasn't serving Hashem because he wanted something in return. He was serving Hashem out of pure dedication. Now, what, what was his mission in life? His mission for the world was to introduce, to reintroduce awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the world. That was what he did. The world started with monotheism and then they descended into Avodazar and all kinds of problems, all kinds of things, paganism, etc. And that was Avram Avinu's whole mission was he had this tremendous, uh, can we call it a Chabad house? I'm sure the Chabad people would say it was a Chabad house. Whatever it was. Well, community center. He had a shtibol, right? He had a shtibol, the Boston Rav of, of Nahar, of Aram Naharayim. Everybody was whatever. welcome. Right, everyone was welcome. And then, then he introduced, he so told he them. He to, to teach them. Sarah taught the women. Right? So that was what he was here for. So, and he, he was going to carry that on. His legacy was going to be his Yitzchak, his descendants. Now Hashem says, what I want you to do is end it here. Right? So... Yeah, of course, it would be tremendous chus. It was the, 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 the most difficult of his tests, etc. But for him, that's not what he wants. He's not looking for a ward. He, in fact, he said it. If you remember, he said to HaKadosh Baruch, Hashem said, Before Yitzhak was born, Zavram said, What can you give me so long as I go childless? Right? So what is he saying? He's saying the reward is not as important to me as keeping on. So for him, the Akedah was a tremendous, tremendous Nisayim. Wow. Um, maybe we'll talk about the next part, Adam, next time. Just a couple of, um, some feedback I got. Somebody pointed out to me recently with, uh, with the Ptira of Rav Chaim Kanievsky's at Sal, so a lot of footage and other stuff comes out of the woodwork right so there's a video going around where you can watch uh, somebody took it in his house he had no privacy you could see but uh him and his rebbitzin uh saying bircha sashachar you saw it right so i think she goes first and he does so so she says i mentioned what yeah so she says shalosani shifcha i mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago that there's some say shalosani uh, that, that, that some have, that the woman says, Shalosani Eved, 
right? Which oh, is yeah. technically incorrect because it should be the Lashon Nekev, it should be Shifcha. I did not, I was not able to hear. She actually said the brachas pretty fast. I guess after 80 years or whatever it is, you, you end up saying fast. But I couldn't back, hear if, if she said the, Goy or Goya. Yeah, or the like. right. I wasn't sure. Sfardim say Goya. I, didn't, I couldn't tell if she said that, but she definitely said, she's definitely said Shifcha. Yeah, and she said, I think she said B'Shem Amalchus, which is the, which is the minhag of, uh, of Ashkenazim. Interesting. No, Svardim don't say, no, they say Barosh Asana They don't say it with Hashem's name because the Gemara doesn't mention it. So that's why they don't do it. The, the Gemara says that the Hasidim Harishayim would spend one hour, one Shah preparing for davening, one Shah davening, and one Shah after davening. What's interesting is that it says that altogether it was nine hours. That means it took them the same amount of time for Mincha as for Shachas. I'm not sure how that worked. So, and then the Gemara asks, so then what did they, like, what, how did they have time to do anything else? But um, I think I remember, I think it's in Muki Yosef, he says that the word Shah really has double meaning. It means, an, it means an hour, but it also just means a period of time. It doesn't necessarily mean an hour, mm-hmm. right? Like when we say in, at the end, of, some of us say at the end of Asher Yatsar, I think I may have mentioned it back then, doesn't necessarily mean 60 minutes. It means it's just like a, a short time. So I think he says that, that it's it's... It, we should emulate that not by coming an hour early. I mean, it's not a bad idea, but by coming a minute early, something. Right, but wasn't there a time that the, mostly the Baltfila was the one davening? There was, there wasn't there a period? There was a. It's time. pretty clear in the times of Chazal right. that there were Ame Haaretz. Right. Kinds of Ame Haaretz are people who were ignorant, meaning they didn't get an education, right. but they still came to shul. Sure. Today, there are plenty of people, Jewish people who can't daven on their own, but most of them don't come to shul because it's, you know, people are unaffiliated, then they meet Rebaran, then he brings them to shul, and then he teaches them how to daven. But there was a a lot of people who literally couldn't read Hebrew, but still were, you know, they came. So that's when the practice of the shliach tzibur was established, where the chazanim, where they would would daven out loud and everyone else would just listen, say amen. Today, they're very, it's almost never the, the case that somebody listens to uh, Chazar Sashatz in order to be, I'd say, but uh, Chazar Sashatz is very deep. I hope we'll get to it someday and we'll, we'll, we'll give it a good treatment. <laughs>